being in a city like Detroit, it's so diverse. I mean, you can go from one community to another, another neighborhood, and, and you can see or eat different food. You can see different people that don't necessarily look like you. You can hear different music, you know. EXP DET, a lifestyle magazine and podcast bringing you the best of what Detroit has to offer. I'm your host, Lou Goldhaber, and on today's episode, we're recording from the Albert Apartment Building right here in the heart of Capitol Park, and we're talking with none other than D.K. Williams, a.k.a. at Detroit Father and the founder of the Detroit Social Circle. How you doing, my friend? Uh, doing well, Lou. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so, so much for having me. So happy to have you. Thank you for coming <laughs> under such unique uh, and different circumstances. I want to start off, you have such an amazing story of the things that you're doing um, both personally and just in the city of Detroit. So I want to start off just by educating the audience about who you are. Okay. What's your story and, and what are you up to? Yeah, so as you alluded to, uh, known as Detroit Father here in the city, um, but that really just started within the last year and a half. Before that, um, I was a project manager and still am a project manager. And uh, just all around, you know, human being. I'm a father, husband, and uh, just love the city of Detroit. So very passionate um, individual here just working, trying to connect people and working in the city of Detroit, um, whether it's in real estate development or it's being a dad or being an influencer, all for me is, is common because, again, it's connecting people and inspiring and informing people uh, here in the city of Detroit and around the world. Are you a native Detroiter? No. So funny story, actually, prior to 2014, I had never really stepped foot in the city of Detroit. Um, my family just background was like, you don't go to Detroit. There's nothing there positive for you to be down there. So don't go. I never had been to a Lions football game, never had been to a Tigers baseball game. So all of Detroit was brand new for me um, as of 2014. So it was like a whole new world had kind of unraveled right before my eyes. And I just had to be a part of what was happening here. Where, where are you from originally? So originally Ann Arbor. Okay. So not too far from here, but again, just never really came down this way. I go stayed blue. in. Yep. Go, go blue. blue. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, born and raised in Ann Arbor, went to school there and uh, yeah, moved here with my wife in 2014. So cool. Actually, you and I got to Detroit at exactly the same time. Wow. Wow, I, I moved here from Chicago in 2013. Oh, so wow. you and I actually have a lot more in common than you might think. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk about just kind of how your personal experiences have shaped you and mm -hmm. the things that you're doing. So I know that your life experiences have really kind of led you on this journey. So can you just talk about how those experiences have shaped your both your personal and professional careers? Yeah, definitely. I think um, that everything that happens in life happens for a reason. Um, and for me, ever since literally I can remember uh, I had always wanted to inspire and inform people. I can think back to being on the playground in you know, elementary school and, and bringing kids and even my teachers around to, to just be inspired, using my voice to, to really be an advocate um, of inspiration and information. And so I would say that really stemmed from growing up as a, a kid without his father. So I grew up without a relationship with my biological father. Um, as well as positive male role models. And so for me, it was huge to, to really be able to give something that I never received. And, and that's, again, where Detroit Father stems from. How can I be an instrument or a tool uh, to inspire the next generation that maybe have grown up without those positive influences um, in their lives? And so, again, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. And for me, uh, that reason of growing up without my father has really led me to a bigger purpose now known as Detroit Father. Okay, so let's talk about your bigger purpose because you work on this really cool thing called the Detroit Social Circle. Yeah. So what's it about? Why is it so important? And why should everybody listening 
get engaged? Yeah, so the Detroit Social Circle really started as an idea concept um, that really brings together different communities and cultures to drive transformative social impact. And so it really started as a capstone project um, here uh, in the city of Detroit when I was working with the organization known as New Leaders Council. So it's a young progressive organization that's really trying to train and recruit the next progressive leaders here in the city of Detroit. And part of the fellowship program is that you have to leave with a capstone that you are going to actually put into action what you've learned and how do you now move the community forward. And so for me, that was Detroit Social Circle. Um, and the idea was, again, how could we bring together conversations um, in a physical space? And so I'm always big on how can we use real estate, how can we use space to bring people together to translate different ideas and really leave with action. And so... The Detroit Social Circle was supposed to be a physical place. And just, you know, last year we had had the whole pillars laid out of how we're going to carry this mission out. And then this year COVID happens. And yeah. so we have to reimagine how are we going to engage people, have meaningful conversations, even in a time of COVID. And then just recently more of this social civil unrest. Well, I was going to ask you, like two of the like probably the most impactful things <laughs> yes. about your mission kind of got thrown in within the last six months. Yes. I mean, how has that changed the vision? It has changed it drastically. And I mean, in this world of digital, you know, age where we can literally just get on a Zoom call or we can get live on YouTube, it's really been able to bring people together from around the world and have these meaningful conversations. And so that's what we've been focused on. How can we have conversations that we maybe can't have on social media just on a, a simple thread and go back and forth with people. How can we bring people together that maybe have differences of opinions and, and create this circle that, again, we're all more common, I think, than we are different. Um, and you really don't get that sense when you look at a lot of things going on right now. And so, again, the idea of the social circle was if we have this one topic that is just burning, how can we bring people from different backgrounds together to engage and discuss that? And again, create this circle that you may not agree. We may leave there with saying, you know what, we totally disagree on that, but we've come together. And that's what it was about unity. And uh, we. So when did this start? Like, when, when did you really physically take it from an idea in this? learning capacity and make it a physical it started last november so the first event we had was gathering young men um again from different backgrounds on the R detroit riverfront and so we brought them together and said hey we want to have a photo shoot to showcase unity like literally have the physical <laughs> portrayal of what unity looks like we may look different we may come from different backgrounds but we can come together at this event and take a photo we can talk about different ideas and things going on in the world and that happened last november so that's that was a f official kickoff um, but again since covid has happened that's changed how we've had to really think about what we want to do going forward um, we've had marches um, with the whole black lives matter movement that's been going on we've had events at the Charles H. Wright Museum, as well as over in uh, New Center, right in front of the Fisher Building. So, so is, the, is that movement made it easier or harder to get your message out? Is it like there's so much going on? I mean, it's obviously an incredible nationwide movement. Does yeah. that help the cause or make it harder? It's a little bit of both. It, it definitely helps the cause because a lot of people are, are seeking like your input. They're seeking. I mean, I did a, an interview over in Bulgaria. So people from all around the world literally were interested in this movement. But beyond that, it is kind of hard to cut through all of the other noise and media that's going on with, I mean, what happened with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, so many different things. It's hard to get your initiative and in, in what you're doing mm -hmm. up to the forefront. Sure. So it's a little bit of both, but you just keep pressing and keep going forward with it. Well, I mean, while doing an interview in Bulgaria might seem 
weird, I guess would be the right word, but yeah. I mean, I guess that's great news that we're having a conversation. Yeah, definitely. Which is, which is good, right? Yep. No matter where it is, that, that's good news. Definitely. So I heard that you were part of this march for like these top hundred, you know, black entrepreneurs. I can imagine you met so many incredible business leaders, business yep. owners, business, you know, um, people who are leading the movement mm -hmm. here. Are there any in particular that you gravitated towards or made relationships with? Definitely. So uniquely enough, that was uh, a march that was organized by myself and my partner, uh, Marvin Pete. And so we on the side uh, started an organization called Joining Forces with Kings. And so this movement was really to bring together um, business leaders, that particular march that you referred to, um, who were making a difference in the community, but maybe did not have the support, especially with COVID and then the civil unrest that you know they maybe should be able to get. And so I wanted to use my platform as a way to highlight some of those businesses and bring those leaders together. And so that march really connected us on a different level because we were able to hear what business leaders here in the city of Detroit were doing, but also what struggles they were facing during this whole pandemic and civil unrest. And so a lot of businesses, they were just saying it's hard to, you know, get their social media uh, out there because, again, there's so much noise, there's so much thing, so many things going on around Black Lives Matter. How do we get our brand, our product out in front of people during this time? And so we said, you know what, we're going to bring 100 business leaders together. We're going to also bring supporters and allies who, who may not necessarily be African-American, but will come and support. And the whole idea was when we leave, we're not just coming to March, but we're going to exchange business information. And we're also going to actually physically go support some businesses. And so that's why we met at New Center. We did a march from the Fisher Building all the way down Woodward. And we stopped um, in front of the uh, Tin Nail Bar. We also uh, supported and, and, you know, was able to give some support to Yum Village. Um, which is, you know, a Caribbean style restaurant. And so, again, I really think we left that meeting with marching orders for us to really support um, black businesses here in the city of Detroit and really put our, our money where our mouth is. So cool. And, you know, we, we talk and inter in interview a lot of influencers. Mm -hmm. That's like a category. I don't want to say it's like a buzzword, but yeah. like there's a lot of them and they're all doing various different things. But what you're doing is so important for many reasons. I mean, one, you have a voice that reaches thousands of people, right? Whether or not it's through digital means or marches or whatever it might be. What's the ultimate message you want people to hear? Yeah. And if I'm, I first want to say, if I'm honest, I still don't feel like an influencer in the, the terms of what we call influencer now. I think that everyone's been labeled almost an influencer in some shape or form. And I think for me, it's, it's bigger than posting and getting a bunch of likes. You know, the first thing that when I talk with different brands and businesses that want to bring on a partnership or collaboration with me, I'm like, just so you know, I'm, I'm not big on that necessarily. What I'm big on is the human capital, the human investment and ROI of investing in people. And if we're going to do this, we got to make sure that that ROI at the end of the day is going to benefit people and specifically people here in the city of Detroit. So even with the Pampers, initiative the biggest thing was how is this going to change the lives for everyday people here in the city of Detroit and, and if that's going to happen then I, I want to be a part I'm all in but a if, sneak peek by the way yeah. stay tuned for more about the Pampers thing yeah and it's like if I can't see that ROI it's, it's really hard for me to know where my value proposition is um, but again being able to reach uh, you know thousands of people with a, a simple post or a recommendation recommendation excuse me I think 
it's powerful and it's a tool that sometimes we can take for granted. And so for me, it's really huge that whenever I'm doing these, these posts and really working in these collaborations that I know what I'm getting people into beyond myself, because well, it's, funny, it's funny you <laughs> mentioned that. Cause I was going to ask you that exact question. I mean, coming with what you're talking about is, is actually an immense responsibility. Yeah. I mean, you have the ability to reach a lot of people very quickly. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that responsibility and, you know, and make sure that you're, doing the right thing. Yeah, for me, it's been really getting and connecting with other influencers and other people who are doing this work. Because for me, um, again, I'm still getting used to it. There's no manual. There's no class that you take. I mean, I went to business school and got my bachelor's in business administration. There was no class on influencership. So <laughs> for me, it's really just trying to find other influencers here in the city and, and become more of a partner with them and seeing what they're doing and how I can learn from a lot of what they're doing. And so that, that's really how I do it. And again, I, I try to stay authentic to uh, the product or, or the service that, again, I'm, I'm putting out there because at the end of the day, I know that my, my followers and audience, they're going to come back and ask me, like, you're really using this product. How are you using it? How are you engaging? And so I've got to be able to respond to that information. And so at the end of the day, again, it's all about authenticity and being able to be relatable. So let's talk about that. So as the world is changing around you, as we talked about with COVID and, and the movements, where do you put yourself in the spectrum of being, I'll call it like out on the forefront and, and, and um, I don't want to say provocative is not the right, right word, but are you more of the, I like to observe and kind of get it all in first before I make a statement? Definitely, for fall? sure. Uh, I mean, it took me a few weeks, even after um, the whole pandemic to really say how I'm going to you know, put information out and content out during this pandemic. I want to be strategic about how I even address um, this pandemic because it was already, you know, from the media fear being put out there. And every day, you know, all of these numbers are rising and people are dying. How do I put out inspiring information and still, again, be true to the facts as they are? But but again, being sensitive to what my brain represents, which is solely information and, and inspiration to drive influence. And so, it's all a balancing act. Uh, I don't think you ever 100% will get it right. But again, I try to think through. I'm definitely one to sit back, observe, try to take all the information in before making that uh, decision on how we go about strategizing, strategizing. And then another thing is having the right people around me. So again, building those partnerships and then also starting to build a team out of, of how do we uh, put out information and do it in a succinct way that makes sense for, you know, the influence that we're trying to have. And how's the response been? I mean, just overarching, I know it's got different components, but is, is the response from the community been, been what you hoped? It has been uh, challenging at times because, again, you, you are on a tight rope on, on how you put out information. So it's like right now everything is sensitive. And so you definitely have to be strategic in how you communicate some of the things that are happening in our society today. And so I, I try not to overanalyze, but I'm always cautious before making a statement or putting things out because I know that even here in the city of Detroit, the community has been through a lot. There's been a lot that has happened in just the last 10 years that you have to be sensitive in how you approach different situations. And you can't just make a statement. You can't just go out there and, and do something if maybe there's already someone in the city of Detroit doing it. Again, being uh, you know, a transplant, I've had to learn that, that again, 
are there already people in the community that have been here doing certain things? And how can I partner with some of those individuals before just going out doing a new initiative or starting? And that's always my, my approach to a lot of what's going on, um, you know, here in the city of Detroit and, and around the world. Yeah, I think it's a great approach. I mean, obviously, it allows you to kind of impact with, uh, you know, work with the people who have been here before yes. and have laid the groundwork for you to do what you're doing. Yep. Um, all right, I want to switch gears, and you kind of teased it a little bit, and this is like, I'm super excited to talk about this as one dad to another yeah. here. So, a dadvocate yes. for Pampers. Yes. How does this fit into the whole equation? You know, Lou, it, it caught me by surprise, because here I am just out with my daughter taking photos, uh, you know, and posting them on my social media page, and again, I get this call from, you know, an individual rep for P&G, and she says, I've been trying to reach you for a month, and every email, every website, every, you know, social media account we've tried to reach out to you on, we haven't gotten a response. And here I am thinking this person was like a spammer. It was spam, and it was really P&G trying to get me to join their initiative. And so being a advocate for me, what that means is having a voice and, and really showcasing what fatherhood looks like um, and, and what fatherhood can be. Because I think sometimes we, as fathers, often have to play second fiddle. Um, well, in my to, family, it's fifth fiddle. Oh, wow. It's okay. really kind of where I fall. <laughs> uh, we just got a new dog, and now yeah. I'm the fifth most important yeah, member of the family. Definitely. So, and that, yeah. that's just the reality of what it is. But I think for me, it's like, how can I use that to my advantage? And so knowing that, again, my wife uh, as a mother is going to always get first priority, even when it comes to a relationship with my daughter. I mean, she carried my daughter for nine months. That bond was natural. I had to create a bond with my daughter once she was delivered, you know. And so right there. I'm already playing catch up to 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 my wife. And so being a advocate is, again, being able to leverage the different resources. Again, I'm all about partnerships and, and meeting with different fathers, even here in the city of Detroit, that are doing amazing things. It's like, how can we partner together and really take this to the next level? Being able to use my platform to get the word out about great dads here in the city of Detroit and, and just the, the different sides of dads. I think we sometimes are just given one perspective of what a dad looks like. Um, and I think that there's so many different facets to being a dad. Um, and then, you know, having a professional life and then business and different things like that. There's so many spheres to being a dad that I just want to be able to showcase them all. So how old's your daughter? So she's going to be four next month. Oh, man. My yeah. daughter's going to be four. <laughs> oh, wow. I have a son awesome. who's almost eight, and I have okay. a daughter who's almost four. So I know exactly awesome. what you're talking about and what yes. you're dealing with. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Same to you. Yes, yes. And, uh, and I'm, I'm laughing because I joked with my kids are born for mm -hmm. the first six months. It's like I could have just basically been like, the UPS guy. Yes. Them. Like it didn't, definitely no connection whatsoever, but <laughs> exactly. it does get better every single year. Yes. So you have a lot of fun things to look forward to. Thank you. Um, tell me what you believe is special about raising a kid in an urban environment. I mean, I have my own thoughts about yeah. it. But I'm curious as to yours. Yeah. For me, it, it is the value of experience. I know my wife and I talk a lot about, you know, we don't want to necessarily get our daughter more toys. She doesn't need, you know, more, more tangible items. You know, she's got enough. It's like, how can we curate more experiences for her? I mean, just like last week, we went up north for a couple of days. I'm all about how do we create the best experience for her each and every day um, and put her around 
the world that we want her to know. And so that's being in a city like Detroit, it's so diverse. I mean, you can go from one community to another, another neighborhood, and, and you can see or eat different food. You can see different people that don't necessarily look like you. You can hear different music, you know. And so for me, it's all about that experience. Sometimes in suburbia, you can't necessarily get that, you know. And for me being in Ann Arbor, I was lucky that I was able to get all of those different experiences. People coming to Ann Arbor from all over the world really showed me a global perspective. And again, that's what I want for my daughter. Um, I want her to see and know all of those, you know, diversities, but also to be able to include that into her life and be able to play with anyone, you know, if you're on the riverfront, to be able to make friends in, in you know, the moment and, and be able to have those experiences. The second thing I think raising uh, a family here in, in Detroit, being an urban city, is she has more advanced social skills because she's been able to be in an environment where she has to develop differently. Um, everything's not necessarily given to her here in the city of Detroit. She's got to kind of work for it. Even being three years old, you know, she's got to be able to be independent as we're riding down the riverfront on her bike. You know, she may fall and being able to just get back up and know, all right, I can keep going. Being in a city like Detroit with that grit and that hustle, mm -hmm. I think that's really what's shaping and molding her into a strong, independent young lady. I love that. Yeah. And so where do you take her? Like, what are your favorite spots? Oh. If you were going to tell our audience who has young kids like us. Like, what are those spots yeah. that might be hidden gems? Oh, man, definitely uh, Campus Marshes Park is our go-to. She looks forward to, uh, she calls the claw statue Mickey and Minnie is who she thinks that is. And so she's like, we're going to see Mickey and Minnie. I'm like, yes, we are. It's a lot cheaper than going to actually see. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and so and, that's and, good. Yeah, so definitely going to Campus Marshes uh, Park and, and hanging out there. And that's a year-round spot for us. I mean, in the, in the winter, you've got the holiday activations going on down there. And then, of course, in the spring, You've got the beach, so she loves that. Um, and then, of course, the Detroit Riverfront. Um, and, and that's just a go-to place. Again, we can just get up, grab our bikes, and say, let's head down there. And so um, there's so many different places. I mean, the Cultural Center in Midtown, so going to different museums and even the library is just a good spot for us to go to. And, uh, again, we, we, we love exploring and adventuring into even parts that we don't even know in Detroit. Sometimes we'll end up in a community or a neighborhood and we're like, wow, we didn't know that this was here. And, uh, you know, it just turns out to be so much fun because it's always about, again, the experience and the adventure for us. Okay. I love it. I love it. And if anyone out there listening, take this man's word for it, go to some of these places on the waterfront and some of these parks, there's such great built-in tools and, and places for kids to go and enjoy in Definitely. the city. So just kind of in summary, just wrapping up, like where do you think the future of Detroit is going? I mean, they're dealing with so many things. We got kind of the COVID epidemic and what it's done to local businesses here. Yeah. We have the kind of what was happening prior with all the great growth and development. What do you, what do you see as the future for Detroit? I, I think the future of Detroit is going to be uh, much of what the past of Detroit has been. You, you, you pursue uh, greatness, you continue to, to take what's happening and, and really use it for your advantage. I mean, we've seen bankruptcy. We've seen so many things here in the city of Detroit that you would think the city would not be moving forward, but it still persists. So for me, it's, it's just another one of those challenges that we're going to take. We're going to learn how can we advance. I see businesses that are doing a lot of different things. They're, they're being innovative, which we are all about. Um, but at the end of the day, 
innovation is good, but it's going to be that execution, getting it done. And I see even this morning working on a project here in the city of Detroit, the city is trying to get back on its feet. And when it gets back on its feet, it's going to take off running. And so I, I just think we, we take these challenges to the next level and we, we create, create greater outcomes. I agree. I could not agree more. So what, what's next for you? For me, it's really building um, more partnerships in this brand known now as Detroit Father. Uh, we officially, in January of this year, uh, created an LLC. And so now really trying to strategize what's next. And I think for us is going to be building more of that digital brand that we can uh, represent Detroit well, but now take it to other cities and, and what we've been able to create as far as a platform here in Detroit um, to other cities. And that, that's really what's next. And of course, uh, my wife and I have been talking about expanding and, ex you know, our family and, and figuring out what that looks like. So that's exciting uh, to know that, you know, we have, you know, goals for future children in our, in our family. And so it's all, again, one day at a time. I try not to <laughs> get too far in advance, but looking at the big picture, there's definitely a lot of growth on the horizon. So cool. So yeah. cool. And don't worry, two is not that much harder than one. <laughs> okay. So you'll be, you'll be okay. Awesome. All right, DK, you ready? This is my favorite part of every podcast. I think we I'm ready. We do the lightning round. So I want awesome. the spontaneous on top of the brain answer. Are <laughs> All you right. ready? Let's do it. Okay. What is your favorite baby product? Favorite baby product is for sure Pampers Cruisers. They are the go-to. Uh, even though my daughter's four, sometimes we have long road trips. And I grab those because, again, I have a great partnership with Pampers. And uh, we take them on the road trip and we'll, we'll go up north and, and use them if we have to. Shout out to Pampers for me, too, because my daughter also wears the cruisers, and those are the bomb. Yes. So, agreed. All right, best part about being a dad? Best part of being a dad for me is that I get to shape and mold another human being um, in, in a way that every day is a lesson, not just that I hope to teach her, but that she's teaching me. And so that's the best part for me of being a dad. Love that. How about the most embarrassing thing you do with your daughter? <laughs> most embarrassing thing that we do is like literally make up a song about anything. Like I used to do that as a kid and like it has definitely translated to her. We'll just be somewhere and out of nowhere she'll bust out singing a song. And I'm like, where did you get that from? She's like, I just made it up. So that's our that. most, most well, memorable to get her thing. on the show. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> where do you see yourself in 10 years? 10 years, I hope to still be here in the city of Detroit, uh, really making a difference both personally and professionally uh, and with the Detroit Father brand. All right. And last but not least, what has been your most memorable moment since you got here in the D? Oh, most memorable moment. Uh, of course, being downtown when we uh, started on the Hudson site and the groundbreaking ceremony uh, of that building. That, I would say that was the most memorable moment because I can remember days uh, being at one campus marshes on our different patios and watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade and it just being empty. And now to see that they're literally going to be building and that's coming up and, and coming up fast, that I would say has been the most memorable thing to be a part of building the future. And that's, again, what I try to live my life by every day, uh, restoring the past, things that have happened, the inequities, making those right and uh, restoring the future and building a greater future. Love that. That is a perfect way to sum, sum it all up. And I so appreciate you giving us your time, DK, and kind of letting us hear your story. For those out there listening, tell them where they can find you. Yeah, definitely. Well, first, Lou, I want to thank you again for having me. Uh, I love the podcast. I have become probably your number one fan over the last My month man. because I've listened to every show. Um, and you had some amazing people on, by the way. 
follow me on Instagram. That's like the best way right now to connect uh, at Detroit Father. Um, and again, we're trying to build out more digital content and, and get on more platforms. But the goal is, again, Detroit Father, you can just about find us anywhere on those social media platforms. Love it. All right, everybody, you heard it. Go check them out at Detroit Father. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the EXPDET podcast. Please make sure to write us a review, check us out, and come give us some feedback. If you want to read more about what other amazing people are doing right here in the D, check us out at EXPDET. Dot com, or you could follow us on Instagram or Facebook.